let's talk about the new album from Stephen Wilson, The Harmony Codex. You know, Stephen Wilson, an artist who needs no introduction if you are a regular viewer of the channel. We've talked about Stephen Wilson a lot. I would say he's probably the, the person, the, if there's a single person, a single musician we've talked about most on this channel, it's probably him in, in various yep. ways or another. Uh, obviously, the mastermind behind the one of the greatest modern prog bands of the last 30 years, Porcupine Tree. And also an esteemed, established uh, solo artist and producer in his own right. I think maybe it might be, and especially given that Jake, you've already done a video talking about his previous solo work, it might be best to sort of talk about Harmony Codex shedding context. Because yes, it is the follow-up to arguably his most underwhelming record, uh, 2021's The Future Bites and you can you can walk that back and say inarguably well i don't want to be a dick who says inarguably objectively this but yeah that's basically <laughs> where we're coming from i have to bring up future bites though because yeah. harmony codex and and part of what feels so triumphant about this album is something that i think steven's been working towards for a few records now Obviously, he's been regarded for a very long time as a fantastic producer. He's done a lot of remaster and reissue work for great bands like XTC and Tears for Fears. He's And Yes, as well, his Yes remasters are across the board, you know, the best versions of all of those albums. Um, so he's been highly regarded in that technical realm for a while. And his solo records all sound great. I mean, he uh, it's it goes without saying that his records sound great, but it feels like in the last, I suppose, five or six years, really since To the Bone, where his which was the first record he produced after beginning to incorporate some of the newer technologies in in higher fidelity music producing, uh, things like Atmos and all of that new advancements in music production that I am absolutely not qualified enough to talk about that I've kind of come to understand largely through him, if I'm honest, but he has increasingly with his newer records come to adopt a more technically intense approach to the engineering and creation process that's led to his more recent records. And again, I don't say this to denigrate any of his not more recent records, but just in particular, these more recent records have a like for they're they, they just sound a lot larger than life basically they have a lot more space and then again part of that is with the last couple of records especially the use of atmos to basically create a four-dimensional sonic space i i don't he's better at explaining it than me one of the thing one of the many things that was frustrating about future bites which is you know, an album that's largely frustrating because of how intolerably preachy it is about the most redundant and obvious aspects of our dystopic modern society. You know, Stephen doing his phone's bad album, but also doing his phone's bad album like he's teaching us phones are bad. You know, it's we've we've got. Yes. I actually didn't get to be uh, with you guys when you reviewed it, but you know, you've expressed what's is frustrating about that album and we've talked about it and litigated it in enough detail for that mm -hmm. to just be a matter of record so and so one of the things that was frustrating about that album aside from the subject matter was that it was like 
Stephen had reached new heights in his technical acumen and the way he was able to make his record sound. But it felt like that wasn't really being capitalized on with what he was doing with the album musically. It was like, there's all this space you found. There's all this massive, you know, hugeness that you've been able to cultivate and your incredible advancements in technical production that felt wasted in that album. It was like a vacant space where, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, the sounds were impressive and the the way that the whole record was engineered was was remarkable from a technical standpoint. But the music didn't really let you appreciate that very much because it was either incredibly sparse and ghostly or it was just like all in service of this very tongue-in-cheek satirical, you know, playfulness that meant he was making songs like Eminent Sleaze, which were deliberately, you know, ridiculous and and... and uh, tasteless and garish so you didn't really get to appreciate what was what steven's really good at i think with that album and with harmony codex the remarkable thing about this album is not only do you get the fullest yet capitalization on all of this technical acumen that he has all of this experience and all of this um you know studio technology he has access to not only do you get by far the fullest you know, capitalization on those things, you also get a record that gives you so many of the things that you've come to love about Steven, you know, guitar solos and just generally guitar production that sounds like the best shit you've ever heard, uh, drum tones that make you feel like you're touching the skin of God. You know, you get all of that stuff. And you also get this this sweeping, genreless, ambitious, new prog opus that, you know, has a lot of individual elements that are familiar from things Stephen has done before, but it's all in a new context that makes it a completely alien album in Stephen's discography. It's a total, it's like a simultaneously a totally a new step forward or a totally a new creation that doesn't feel like a capturing of any specific record or era that Steven has done before. Yet also it showcases so many of the things that he is good at while still feeling brand new and, and, mod- and modern and novel. It, it, it's remarkable. And I really, I really do feel like it's, it's genreless except for the fact to say that it is truly a prog album and the truest, most real sense of the word progressive. It is Stephen pushing the limits of how he's perceived as a prog musician completely into the ether incorporating elements of of techno of micro house and idm with elements of jazz and jazz fusion with elements of traditional rock instrumentation with elements of of soulful balladry and also even shades of the tongue-in-cheek satirical social commentary of the future bites you have a, a spectrum of Stephen Wilson signifiers and new things for Stephen that belie what he's always been great at, but also obviously the influence of all of this production work he's done, you know, reissuing and remastering records for other artists as well. This is, you know, it's simultaneously the most Stephen Wilson album he's ever made and the least Stephen Wilson album he's ever made, depending on what angle you look at it from. Uh, and and the most important thing about it is that it's great. <laughs> it's a great album. Jake, take it from here. 
Ah, God, it's nice to be fulfilled every once in a while. This is the Stephen Wilson project that's easiest to put on an island. But if I did exclusively that, then I would also be kind of casting aside what is truly awe-inspiring about this as a project. Just because, again, after The Future Bites, we were, you know, that is Stephen's only real misstep in a career that spans more than 30 years, more than five truly significant bands that he's a part of, and, you know, the various genres that they cover. So while, I mean, it's it's kind of like Morgan when we talked about the first two pages of Frankenstein, where it's just like, just because it's one misstep it almost feels larger than it is because by contrast it's like the only thing that's ever disappointed you and that's somewhat true about the future bites it was it was the severity to which it was a disappointment that really kind of uh offset me but then well you know when porcupine tree came back out of the ether with closure continuation and that album inarguably just had a better head on its shoulders than i think anybody was anticipating that it would we were like okay that feels like a flash in the pan now so i can properly be excited for whatever steven goes on to do next and he's been teasing the harmony codex very vaguely for a long time now as being this ambitious project that he's been working on that's been genreless that goes off into many different excursion that you know it's it's the kind of thing that's being sold to you as an experience and not an album and for as pretentious as that sounds it's kind of right because consuming this is a fascinating endeavor like he's doing all of these like shows where like yeah parties for the album where he invites people to experience the record just being played but through this sort of massive open space with these cavernous speakers and it seems like more and more with everything he's done he wants to make like music he wants to make his records and listening to his records, an active process of engagement with with sound and like a meaningful spatial sense, like that's something he's really, really leaned into. If anything, I feel like the 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 mentality of this YouTube channel, this podcast, is best exemplified in that that we we push for the idea of active engagement, active listening, and the Harmony Codex as an album feels like the epitome of albums that exist right now that encourage and reward this process. Like if you are, you know, very much like us, a very album oriented person who values uniqueness, but also skillfulness, maximalism, but also being able to rein your ideas into a degree which feels like you, you know, have an actual handle on them. I can't really imagine a more fulfilling or rewarding experience than this. This is the most unique thing Stephen has ever made. And for a guy who spent his entire career, Stephen's most vocal critics over the years have always pigeonholed him as somebody who just kind of takes from bands and, and ideas that are you know, far from unique, I guess. And we've already talked about how we kind of feel that's a short-sighted criticism of Stephen and just sort of misses the forest for the trees and doesn't actually engage with the music that he makes. But for him to just kind of double down and be like not only am I going to make an album where it's abundantly clear what all of my influences are all across the spectrum of music not just in Prague but 
everywhere. This is a dude who cites the two most influential albums on him as being albums by Pink Floyd and Donna Summers. And this is the kind of album that results from a guy <laughs> who holds those two albums in the same level of esteem. Because on here, you're not getting this kind of straight-laced experience. You're not getting this idea that it's somebody who's overly reverential to the things that they, you know, they're, they're paying tribute to. From the moment you get the in, the, the opening of inclination, like. It's just this percussive wall. It feels like you are standing in front of a monolithic structure that is transforming before you and causing a sonic experience that if you listen to this on speakers that are louder than your given AirPods, like I've listened to select songs from this in my car all week just to get like a feel for them and what they like and what it's like to exist in their space. It feels like your DNA is being rearranged dude, when you listen to dude, songs dude, like dude, Inclination. Dude, dude, dude. Inclination, right? So I went, I, you know this, but I'm saying it for the mm -hmm. show. I went for a drive last night, listened to this album, you know, with it basically, not with everything we review, obviously, but like if there's a case where we're reviewing something that I feel like especially benefits from the high fidelity experience, I will try to get like, make an effort to get in the car and listen to the album in full through that. Cause it's the best yep. stereo system I have. That's not headphones. So I did that last night for Harmony Codex and the whole thing was an amazing experience that completely solidified my feelings about the record, but also like made it connect for me more than it ever had before. One of many of the best moments was listening to Inclination, just like, you know, heading out onto the motorway and just feeling those, you know, synthetic, you know, hammering drums. And then when the song just kind of cuts out stops mm -hmm. like two minutes in, and then it's just like Steven's voice comes in and I swear to God, the way that, you know, the vocal mixing, the the placement of his voice, the the level of reverb he puts on it, and just the the sense of, of scale and space he gives his voice in that moment. It felt like a fucking vision, like God himself had parted the clouds and was speaking through my car stereo. I cannot tell you how it felt. Like, I knew that was coming. But I like kind of wasn't thinking about it. So like when the song went quiet, I was just like immersed and just the his voice came in and I was like, holy shit, I am being the spectral realm is beaming into my brain. I'm, I, it was ridiculous. It was it's crazy. And the album proceeded to give me those feelings of awe so consistently throughout that experience. I just was so taken aback at every turn. And here's the thing about this album. To me, Stephen, as a solo artist, his career has so much of his career has been post Porcupine Tree, and obviously not just in the timeline, which obviously it's post Porcupine Tree, but like it is a, a, records being made by the guy who made those Porcupine Tree records, reckoning with the strengths of those albums, the clear strengths that he has as a musician operating the progressive rock realm, with this restless desire to go further, and it felt like with his first three solo albums, he was he kind of he hadn't really tapped into that desire. He was kind of content to keep making great prog rock albums that have like a, a vibrancy and a color to them and, a, and an emphasis on storytelling and all that sort of stuff. And then with hand cannot erase in 2015, which we did a, a record club on that album, my favorite album that he's made ever, like between porcupine tree and a solo career, it was like, that's the pinnacle of his modern prog production. And you know, his instrumental strengths 
with taking that into a hyper modern space and imbuing it with a just really tangible emotional depth right it was just everything about that record was like this feels like the thing he's been building towards his entire career and so everything that's existed post hand cannot erase irrespective of its quality in a vacuum definitely has felt like there is a sense of diminishing returns because how do you move on from that you 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 created something which again from my perspective was the perfection of something you had been chasing for over 20 years and what's next right and that's why i i maybe connect with to the bone less than most stephen wilson fans that album's never really clicked for me although i like certain songs on it and you know obviously when the future bites happened i was like you know i don't know how much faith i have in steven as a solo artist to be someone who was going to continue to kind of inspire me you know and that was kind of compounded with the porcupine tree reunion album which i loved and kind of even though it was like this is legitimately like we're not going to be ambitious in the slightest we're just going to make a, a, a classic era porcupine tree album in 2022 and here it is and how much i enjoyed that in a weird way kind of reaffirmed how not uninterested but kind of how like low my expectations were for steven as a solo artist because it sounded it was like a, re a reaffirmation of like this guy is best doing this and when he tries to expand beyond that it can be really interesting and it's something that you know spiritually i fully support but i don't know if i'll ever really connect with and harmony codex has come along and just bulldoze that concern i think this is probably his second best solo album after hand cannot erase you know it's close uh, i certainly feel as though there's as i get older as well and more distance from you know the kind of person i was when i was in my me mega prog nerd era it's certainly more interesting to me now than those uh, earlier solo albums as great as they are you know especially raven and all that but um this has that level of again ambition but recognizing your strengths it's like recognizing your strengths pushing against those limits bringing elements of those things in and finding a new vision for what your records can be and the effect that they can have and, and I, I just i love it i love how triumphant it feels i love how unafraid to alienate it is i love how fully committed to the sense of continuous uh sweet like you know full album experience it is to me like one of steven's weaknesses in the last sort of i guess in the last eight years i suppose is that he's great at atmosphere he's great at instrumentation in fact he's phenomenal at those things but he's not if he were to have one weakness, I would say it would be songwriting. And you know, while this isn't a record that um, is all about songwriting, that's the point. He recognizes that he's his his strengths are not necessarily in songwriting. So he creates something where songwriting is irrelevant. It is all about the instrumentation and the atmosphere and the sense of forward motion. So my critiques and my limitations with steven's weaknesses more or less not entirely because there are still some critiques i have but more or less completely become irrelevant because he created an album that's so completely well suited to his strengths and the best ways he can apply himself in terms of of evolving and and that's 
why Harmony Codex is so satisfying because it just gives Stephen a platform and an environment to do all of this cool shit musically and atmospherically and to weave it all into a tapestry so that it doesn't feel like you're missing something. It just feels like, wow, what a sensory rush this is. Rarely do you ever get albums that are so like self-consciously, it's not even like it's a career summary album because to me, this is an album that was like, certainly depending on the technology that Stephen was using to make it. But at the same time, spiritually, I feel like Stephen has always had the Harmony Codex in him. Like if 15 years ago, you know, Dolby Atmos, you know, mixing was a thing, I feel like he would have still tried to have made it back then. Uh, and the thing is, is that again, it, it, it ta I talked about how it sort of exists on an island, but at the same time, it is still so inextricably linked to his identity as an artist that it's a perfect balancing act of where Stephen feels totally unbidden to all of his influences he can just do whatever he wants on this fucking record there's no structure that he has has to adhere to there's nothing that he has to do on this album and as a result it feels free-flowing in a way that not many of his albums feel but there's also that sense of fussy meticulousness that he always has in all of his projects that assure you that every detail was slaved over every choice as to where every instrument appears in all of these mixes which are again these these titanic walls that are so laden with amazing beautiful detail that it's just it's sumptuous to actually experience there's a perfect mix here of more abstract ideas that you feel like you're just kind of wading through and observing and that kind of poke and prod at your imagination as a listener and more solid fundamental hard-hitting moments that really just kind of take you off guard like i think inclination is kind of a perfect balance of these two ideas in fact like the first half and the second half very feel much feel like they're showing you the two modes in which this album broadly speaking will operate in i i guess i would classify the album as operating in moments where things are intensely direct and intensely abstract what life brings for example i feel like is a follow-up to inclination that gives you a bit more of a direct kind of feeling and then economies of scale which was one of the first singles sort of doubles down on the abstractness and that's sort of a kind of trip hoppy excursion that lyrically speaking what you said i feel like is important to understanding this and that like lyrically there are ideas here but they are like they're very abstract economies of scale for instance it's this story of like a a ship lost at sea but that's it that's the fragmentary passage and the image that you get and the music just kind of builds around that feeling and the album itself is about colliding all of these fragmentary lyrical ideas into one kaleidoscopic thing bound together by music and i feel like everything sort of comes together in one of the years unquestionable highlights for me which is impossible tightrope this is one of the greatest things Stephen wilson has ever fucking made and if you know the kind of level we hold this man's music to that is not something that i say lightly because this is this full-on spiritual jazz fusion extravaganza this fucking huge it's Stephen wilson trying to make song. 
Stephen Mills, Stephen Wilson trying to make his Mahavishnu Orchestra song, and it's so rare. And it, dude, the guitars, the guitars on this, the saxophones, like, oh my god, compositionally, like, I, this hasn't, this side of him hasn't been explored since Grace for Drowning. And while I've really come to appreciate Grace for Drowning for what it is, that's always been one of the Stephen Wilson albums that I've I've not connected with the most, just because it is, like, it's a double album kind of mess, but at the same time, it still kind of feels like he's playing things so close to the chest, so straight-laced, that it doesn't have the advantages that a double album mess maybe should have in like in what makes it gratifying from from our perspective whereas here you do kind of have that appeal but there's no disparateness he he's reviving this aspect of his sound but it is so different from where it started that it's it's almost wholly incomparable and i find that to be just massively fucking fascinating and then immediately after that you get kind of one of the more emotionally evocative moments on the album with rock bottom which features uh ninette tayeb uh who is a yeah. frequent vocal collaborator of stephen wilson's who i mean ever since i heard pariah i have been fucking obsessed with this woman's voice she wow. has one of the most beautiful singing voices in contemporary music Please. and it's like routine as well <laughs> Routine being maybe the single best display of, you know, like, Stephen's grasp, grasp on emotionality in his entire career, frankly. The collaborations between these two have been consistently highlights of their respective albums. Routine being, you know, one of the most devastating songs that Stephen's ever been involved in, almost solely due to her and her performance. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, Pariah being an absolute standout onto the bone her notable absence from the future bites and now being back here on rock bottom just mm. absolutely what i love about this middle stretch of the record is that uh particularly just the songs from the stretch of songs of economies of scale impossible tight rope and rock bottom like these three songs in particular which all were pre-release songs interestingly enough yep. uh yep. they are each displays of steven's strengths at the current point in time in completely different directions economies of scale that micro house sort of idm glitchy atmospheric side of steven that he's honed and developed in recent most recently impossible tightrope the kind of you know kaleidoscopic prog excess combined with this you know cool jazz fusion approach to it all that he's infused into it and then rock bottom being like here's me showcasing how i can produce a, a much more conventional but no less powerful you know torch song basically with a killer guitar solo to top it off yeah. three, three incredible songs that have that bear very little sonic relation to each other but come one after the other in the middle of this album and are just a perfect microcosm for how well Stephen has realized, you know, what he's been going for with this album, you know, to the to the extent that I do think that the record, the the, the section of songs after that, uh, particularly the title track and time is running out, maybe you know, hold up a little less well in comparison because they're more purely atmospheric and they don't quite have the dynamism of that golden stretch. Um, but then I think the album finds a, a really strong resolution with um, particularly the final track, Staircase, which is like, oh. you know, it's it ties everything together. It ties almost every 
little sonic excursion the album's taken every little genre reference point and just gives you this sweeping finale that is ridiculously entertaining i just grin on my face listening to staircase because it's also worth noting as well that especially in contrast to future bites this is not an album that takes itself all that seriously you know there are a few Mm -hmm. moments of of messaging that steven kind of can't resist indulging in but it's much more tongue-in-cheek and it lands better than it did on future bites and you know part of it is steven leaning into the ridiculous sort of pretension of you know things like the spoken word uh, that appear on the title track and staircase and you know some of the things that he talks about in his lyric writing and also just some of the you know aspects of the way that you know guitar solos will come in and the sounds of these sorts of things you know these are aspects of goofy prog nerd uh ephemera that steven absolutely includes knowingly and does give the record a kind of you know it helps to undercut the sense of overbearing self-seriousness that this record might have had uh if you know things had panned out a little bit differently or if, or if Stephen had taken it with a particularly with a slightly different tone the whole thing and this is especially true the closer you get to the end because it really amps up with the finale with the last few songs as really just knowingly ridiculous and knowingly goofy and knowingly tongue-in-cheek and that's what sticks the landing so well is that the first half of this record you're just totally in awe of how you know diverse and varied and exciting all the sounds he's he's showcasing are and then towards the end when the record threatens to kind of get tiring there's a an injection of you know if not outright silliness then at least levity with a song like actual brutal facts and then with the everything about staircase that you know allows you to be grounded again and allows you to you know appreciate the journey that you've been on and that it, it is a, a nerdy passion project but it amps up its self-awareness as it goes on basically is what i'm trying to say and that makes it stick the landing really well i think it's just very well rounded and i never get the sense that it's trying to be something more than it is um, while at the same time it exudes this this ambition and this outward reaching feeling that somehow never manages to conflict with that it's just so well pitched on every level it's the kind of album that only a musician like Stephen wilson can feasibly make because even if you bring that level of ambition or even that level of confidence and manage to combine the two there's no way you can like make sure that you're not coming across as like you're biting off more than you can chew. And I feel like for all of this album's many disparate qualities, that's something you can't really say about it. It's so colorful. The whole spectrum of Steven's artistry is here, but it's not him overextending himself, which is what, again, it makes it so satisfying, but it also makes it so that coming back to this over and over again, like it's worth mentioning that this is one of the albums that's grown on me the most this year not that I was ever in a place where I felt like you know cold on it or anything it was just that at first the 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 monolithic nature of it the the titanic way the 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 fact that we just don't get albums like this made by anybody period 
is something that made me have to be like, I'm going to have to listen to this multiple times because this is something that you have to, you know, skew and orient yourself to be in a very particular mood to listen to. And in that respect, coming back to it, everything has just fallen into place with me more and more to the point where there are moments, again, kind of in that second half that at first, like, didn't leave the biggest impression on me, but I've grown to appreciate the detail of more and more. The eccentric IDM of Beautiful Scarecrow, I find captivating. I think that the title track personally, while like, again, it was one of those songs that I didn't really know what to think of it that much when I first heard it, I just think is one of the most gorgeous sounding things that he's ever made. I absolutely love it. Uh, and even then, again, Actual Brutal Facts was a song that from the title alone, I was apprehensive of going into this because I was just like, okay, that's a bit whatever. And look, it's not devoid of him being a bit more like blunt and silly, but here's the thing. When you become a fan of Stephen Wilson, there are certain things that you have to take at face value. Uh, Deadwing, one of our favorite collective Porcupine Tree projects, has no less than two songs on it where Stephen Wilson could be construed as rapping, basically. Uh, and it, it's not that different from what he does on here. But again, the percussive thrum of this is so satisfying sonically. that got like a thing, of it. thing with the guitars as well. They've got this... It's so silly. It's it well. It sounds that like that, and it sounds like Rush. That sounds like Alex Lifeson. It's so <laughs> on the money. Like oh, oh my god, it sounds like Grace Under Pressure. It's like he took that tone directly <laughs> from that album and stuck it right on here. And I, uh, again, I, I love it. Someone online say that um, Stephen used the same vocal filter on Actual Brutal Facts that Giddy Lee used on Roll the Boats. <laughs> And it does sound eerily similar. You know, wouldn't <laughs> shock me. Look, Stephen is like, I, I've sort of delved really deeply into lots of interviews that Stephen's done um, just over the course of, you know, his solo career, um, like that are all on YouTube, all of which I recommend. He's a fantastic person to interview just because he's like clearly like really musically knowledgeable. And he also has a, uh, a show uh, with one of his frequent musical collaborators where he just talks about really acclaimed albums from a given year and they just sort of discuss a bunch of stuff and one thing that i found about stephen wilson is that he always like he has you know particular appreciation for lots of you know the canon of modern music uh very strongly but he has insanely weird and specific favorites from these like his favorite band is pink floyd and his favorite album from pink floyd is the final cut who in the fuck other than roger waters favorite pink floyd album is fucking the final cut and i feel like that kind of shows through here because a lot of these songs are built on fringe tendencies and details that feel like they can only come from somebody who's plucking what they find compelling out of a huge rainbow grab bag of musical history and i feel like that that staircase does feel kind of like the the epitome of that it feels like this album distilled into one song the, the closest comparison i have for this as like a, a a predecessor is uh tom york's album anima and that i feel like a lot of similarities can be drawn between the two of these and just the fact that this is the closest stephen wilson has ever gotten to just straight up making a radiohead album which again very intensely alluring to someone like me um I, it's a bit more like 
angular than most Radiohead albums, but I still think that if you enjoy something like that, this could potentially be your in with how eccentric and eclectic and all over the place and just unbounded it is. I, I second, I, I, I think that the Tom York solo stuff specifically is a good comparison point. And I second Anima. That specifically is the record that this reminded me a lot of at certain points in time, especially as well, because that was like a, a record where it felt like Tom reached a kind of new level in terms of the fidelity of the production that he was working with. Mm -hmm. The scale of everything was so much larger and it gave a real sort of vibrancy and heft to music that was fairly like consistent with what he'd been doing in his solo career earlier, but it just felt a little bit stifled compared to that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there here I think as well, there are moments of that too. I think that any comparison with Radiohead is a logical endpoint of the way that this attempts to you know give a progressive bent on alt rock and certain elements of it as well i think that time is running out uh is the most radio yes. radiohead-esque song on here for that reason um but yeah it's certainly i think a record that will appeal to people who like you know music that exists in that weird fringe space where it's like music made by musicians who are clearly like coming from a history of, of rock music but 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 have like a deep deep-seated love of electronic music and jazz music and a desire to infuse you know to desire to infuse like you know um Aphex Twin and mm -hmm. Mahavishnu Orchestra and Miles Davis all in a melting pot you know the same way that Radiohead did with Kid A and you know to a lesser extent and Rainbows as well so yeah I think that people who who find that to be the most compelling work of a band like Radiohead will really find a lot to dig into here music that exists like purely for the sake of itself you know anyway i think it's a good point to wrap up um this is there's a lot more we could get into with this album and i wouldn't be surprised if we end up talking about it some more further down the line jake do you want to take a moment now to tell us where this record would fit in the in your i guess canon ranking of stephen wilson's solo efforts where would you position it at least at this point in time I'd say that for me, it occupies almost like a perfect middle space. There are his more, I, I have grown to love Stephen Wilson's solo work probably a lot more than I even used to just because when I was first getting into Porcupine Tree, I viewed them as, you know, extensions of that more or less, but never anything that offered as much to me as those core records. Now I'm able to evaluate them for a little bit more of what they are. And he has albums that like, they're on the more minor side, some of them like Grace for Drowning that are a little bit more like messy, but undeniably contain some of the best things that he's ever made or consistent projects like To the Bone that don't have the skyscraper highs of his other stuff, but maintain a consistency and a new direction for his sound that I think is admirable. But I think this exists above those. It's more confident than something like that so i feel like it's a like it, basically his best album since hand cannot erase in 2015 uh it's not quite to the level of hand cannot erase raven and insurgents for me that's kind of the holy trinity of his solo career that just sort of exists to him playing to his strengths so strongly that it feels like kind of unassailable to me anyway and this is willfully again like i said in the review proper uh it's kind of on an island so comparing them is interesting, but a difficult prospect. So I would slot it in above 
uh, to the bone, the future bites, absolutely, uh, grace for drowning, um, but below insurgents, Raven, and hand cannot erase. Fantastic. Uh, I would go uh, from bottom to top. I'd go future bites to the bone, grace for drowning, insurgents, Raven, hand cannot er- uh, this after, above Raven, and then hand cannot er- erase on top. That would be my ranking. So not too dissimilar. But yeah, I've really taken with this and I, I, I'm i going to come back to it a lot. I can already tell. Mm-hmm. That brings us to the end of our discussion. Let us know what you think. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Do you have a different perspective? Especially if you do, let us know in the comments below and we can continue the conversation down there. If you want to go above and beyond and support us directly for just $1 a month, you can hit the join button, become a member of the Jams Tea family, get your name and the title crawl of every video on this channel. Plus, if you want to recommend us some music to talk about in one of our now episodes, your recommendation will go to the top of the pile. Until next time, though, folks, rock over London, rock on Chicago, BMW, the ultimate driving machine.